Welcome to Scandal Water, where the tea is hot and the conversation lively. Your hosts, Candy and Ashley, will discuss a peculiar story somehow related to the entertainment industry. This podcast might not change the world, but it just might satisfy your thirst for an intriguing tale. Oh, it's that time of day. Tune in and hear what the ladies say. It's time to bend your ear when the silver screen appears. Stories about the stage and screen and everything in between. So come on and join the fun. The curtain opens in three, two, one. Hello, Ashley. Hello, Candy. Here we go again with another fun holiday episode. Yes. I'm excited. Well, let me ask you this. Okay. Okay. In the spirit of the holidays mm-hmm. and gift giving, mm-hmm. do you have any of those fun stories? We always hear about either the gift that you really hope you're going to get, mm-hmm. or maybe you have to find a gift for somebody else and it's a really hard to get gift. Mm-hmm. Do you have any of those stories that come to mind? Probably that would be a better question for my mom mm. to say, what did she really, really want? But, oh, wait a minute. No, it's come to me. Okay. Here it is. Here's the story. And my mom's going to go, great. <laughs> Great. So here's the big story. I want it more than anything. You ready, mom? A She-Ra sword. (laughs) So She-Ra was so popular in the late 80s that everybody wanted the She-Ra, the sword and the shield and the cufflinks and all that stuff. Well, my mom worked at Target for a time and Mm. they only had one left. Oh. One left. And there was also my sister and my cousin. So what they did, they split it between the three of us. Like you were supposed to like rotate? No, 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 no. We each got a piece of the She-Ra thing, but I wanted the sword. (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand how this works. Well, they gave the sword to my sister and they gave the mask to my cousin Lauren. And I got, I think I got the, I think Lauren got the mask and the wristlets and I got the shield. And there's a (laughs) photograph. They were trying so hard and I appreciate it as an adult, but my cousin has this picture framed on her on her it's on her desk still on her little like couch console and it's a picture of my sister with the sword aloft right because she got triumphant triumphant (laughs) and lauren is just too young to understand that we have been gypped and she is wearing the thing and she is holding aloft a spoon with little ribbons (laughs) that are spiraled off of it and she is so proud of her spoon and i have the shield and i'm just like (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> okay, you're gonna have to post this picture. I, I will. I w- if I can't find mine, I'll ask Lauren if I can if she could show me hers. But I this is the thing. This has been the thing for years. So when Wonder Woman came out, there was the Wonder Woman sword, and my mom literally bought me the Wonder Woman sword, and it's got a little note on it. It mm. says, "I hope this makes up for the she's <laughs> like, will I ever live <laughs> no. this down? No, you will not. <laughs> so it's hanging in my office with the little note that says, "I hope this makes up for the Shira sword," and I understand, but no. no. It will never be okay. No, you're traumatized for life. I was. Over that. I was. Yes. <laughs> I have a little funny story that comes to mind. I hope I get the details right. As I recall, it goes like this. When Camden was little, uh-huh. very little, we had, well, we still have to this day, this mass of games in our closet. Mm-hmm. And we, with, you know, Kennedy being older, it started, of course, even before she came along. But then when you get kids, a whole lot more, right? So anyway, our closet had grown out of control. And so we had gotten rid of a few of our games, one of them being Cat's Eye. 
What? What is that? Well, it's just a cute little game where you have marbles and you just, you try to find the cat's eye and basically almost like a hungry, hungry hippo Oh, I know game. that. Okay. Yes. So anyway, I can't remember if we just decided it was old or if we'd lost some marbles or whatever, but we got rid of that game. Mm-hmm. Now, Christmas is approaching and you do the thing with your kids. What do you want? And Camden says the only thing he wants is a cat's eye game. Oh, no. We had just gotten rid of a cat's eye game. <laughs> Did he Literally. know that? No, he was like a, he was very young, toddler-ish. Yeah. You know, and you know, sometimes your kids will say something and then it's gone. Yeah. No, he came back with that a couple of times. Like he had his heart set on a It's at the top of the list. So now we're on a hunt for the (laughs) same game we've gotten rid of and they're price jacking it oh no because all the games were going it's a tickle me elmo well it wasn't as bad as that but it you know but yes they were they were price jacking it because Mm -hmm. we ended up finding it i think online and paying maybe i mean probably twice what we had paid for it the first (laughs) time just giving it away and the irony is he opened that stupid gift on christmas day and just set it aside (gasps) and it meant absolutely Mm, nothing you should have gone with your gut i know so there you go (laughs) the cat's eye that ended up being purchased for basically three times Uh (laughs) what it should have by the time you go through both of our purchases that ended up meaning nothing to him great do you still have it that's funny i don't think we do okay i think we got rid of it well how does this connect to our episode topic i know Tell us, Ashley. Well, it's sort of like when you want a Red Ryder BB gun, right? It is. It's very much like when you want a Red Ryder BB gun. Yes. I'm sure everybody knows now our topic is... A Christmas story. A Christmas story. Because, of course, Ralphie's main hope, he's our main character, his burning hope is that he's going to get a Red Ryder BB gun for Christmas. But, of course, everybody tells him he's going to... Shoot your eye out, kid. That's (laughs) right. That's right. So here's what we're going to do. This is so fun, guys. I'm looking forward to it. A few weeks ago, Ashley shared with me that a new sequel to A Christmas Story is coming out. Mm-hmm. I had not heard this. Apparently, there was a part two many yes, years ago. There was. But this is a direct that. sequel. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So when she shared that, she had the great idea of maybe we might want to center an episode around mm-hmm. this and we could even watch the sequel together mm-hmm. and then record basically our reactions. Our reactions. Kind of a watch party. Yeah. So that's what we're about to do. And, and, and I'm very excited, looking forward to this. But to lead into it, of course, we thought we would give just a little background on the original movie mm-hmm. and just a bit about the sequel that we are about to view, that we here are about to view. You guys hopefully- May or may not have seen it already. Right, we don't know. Now, here's the cool part. My research was very easy mm-hmm. because I came across the most amazing resource. What? Is so cool. There is a website for a Christmas story house and museum. No way. It has everything on it. No way. Everything on it. And it has the best backstory. So this house, the original house that was in the movie, yeah. was on sale, put up for sale on eBay. And this fan, this man who was just A super fan? Yes. Bought it. What? And turned it into a How Christmas story house, house and museum in 2006. EBay. I don't know, but they did. They did. They, they did. did it. So now a Christmas story house has been restored to the way it looked in the movie. Aww. It is open year round for the public for tours or overnight stays. Oh, directly across the street from that house is the Christmas story museum, mm. which is full of original props, costumes, lots of memorabilia. That's 
very cool. Yeah, hundreds of behind-the-scenes photos. And just to give a couple of examples, um, here are a few props and costumes that they have. They've got toys from the Higby's window. Mm. They have Randy's snowsuit. And Randy. they have the chalkboard from Miss Shields' classroom. Oh. oh, and the family car. Wow. Yeah. So the plot for the original movie, which is probably very familiar to all of you, mm-hmm. but I'll say it anyway. Mm-hmm. Set during a snowy Christmas season in 1940s Indiana, nine-year-old Ralphie longs for the ideal Christmas gift, a 200-shot range model air rifle with a compass in the stock and this thing that tells time. But when gruff dad and doting mom and even a stressed-out Santa quote the usual BB gun warning, you'll shoot your eye out, (laughs) yes, Ralphie mounts a full-scale hint-dropping campaign that is a sly combination of innocence and calculation. The movie is not only about Christmas and BB guns, but also about childhood and a semi-dysfunctional family life. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So, and it goes on to explain that, of course, in the movie, he goes through so many things. You have the classic moments with the bully who's after him. You have the sequence where... We have, is it is it his younger brother, Randy, who has triple dog dared to stick his tongue to the lamppost? I think it is. Okay. I'll, we'll, we'll find that out in a second. And then we also, of course, have the lamp. The yes. famous lamp. Must yes. be Italian. <laughs> so before I go any further, do you have a few memories of this movie that stand out to you? One of my thoughts? favorite, one of my favorite scenes is, it's a random moment, but it's such a sweet scene between the mother and the, the little brother, Randy, when he is hiding under the sink mm. and she opens it and she says, do you want to, I'm paraphrasing, of course, do you want to come out? He's like, no. And she says, okay. And then she just lets him stay under the sink. Yes. It's just so sweet. Yes. It just makes my, my little heart cry a little because she's so sweet to him. And Randy is such a sweet little boy. I love him. Yeah. He's a doll baby. Mm-hmm. Well, the movie came out in 1983. And the story behind it, I found interesting. Mm -hmm. Apparently in the late 1960s, the director of A Christmas Story, Bob Clark, of course, this is long before it came out, but he was driving to a date's house and he happened to hear this radio broadcast that was featuring some of the recollections from Gene Shepard about his growing up in Indiana in the late 1930s and early 1940s. Mm -hmm. Well, this director, Bob Clark, ended up driving around the block for almost an hour to listen listen until he got to the end of that radio program. And he's quoted as saying, my date was not happy. I bet. (laughs) But he knew right away that he wanted to make a movie out of those stories. And many of those stories actually first appeared in Playboy magazine and then were collected in Gene Shepard's 1966 book, In God We Trust, All Others Pay Cash. Okay. So it took a long time for Bob Clark to actually get that comedy made. People weren't really behind it. He had to kind of make some deals, Mm -hmm. but he finally got to create his movie. How many classic things do we run across that it's like, "Mm, they weren't really into it. Yeah. And then they become these phenomenal classics. One day I hope that happens to me because I have a lot of things that people are not (laughs) behind. See, you're you're ready to go. Yeah. Well, it was modestly budgeted, they said, and it opened in 1983, a week before Thanksgiving, on fewer than 900 screens. Mm-hmm. Took in about $2 million its first weekend and double that Thanksgiving weekend, which was actually pretty good. That's pretty good. But the movie disappeared pretty quickly, even though it got some nice word of mouth, mm-hmm. but it was the timing was not great. Mm-hmm. And it was opening up against Scarface oh, and sure. Stephen King's Christine. It had a lot of competition. Yeah. So it disappeared from the theaters quickly, it said. And ultimately it made about 19 million nothing to sneeze at good but not great yeah but this happened to be around the time 
that home video and cable TV were beginning right. to become very this popular. Is, yep, this is another thing that really helped The Princess Bride because once, and also It's a Wonderful mm-hmm. Life, the home video really kicked it into gear yeah. as far as being a part of the culture. Pop culture, yes. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened here. They said that A Christmas Story started creeping into the mainstream mm-hmm. through videotape and cable broadcasts. And then the rights to the movie were sold in 1986 to Warner Brothers by MGM as part of this big 50 movie package deal. So honestly, it was not high valued it was just kind of packaged in this whole like here we'll sell all of these to you guys and what did it for this movie was the cable network tnt yeah showing it all 24 hours they and it was a stunt it was supposed to be kind of a gimmicky thing in 1988 but people liked it and they said that popular demand turned that stunt into a tradition yeah and now of course it's on tbs but every christmas eve you have this marathon where 24 they just, hours yes and they say more than 40 million people will tune into it at some point that's crazy at some point. yes it is now one of the most popular holiday movies of all time earning its place alongside it's a wonderful life and miracle on 34th street yeah definitely so i have a few fun trivia facts okay let me form. have it yes okay. i am Guess who was originally offered the part of Ralphie's father? Of Ralphie's father? Mm -hmm. And it was what year? 1983? Mm -hmm. Harrison Ford. Jack Nicholson. No! Oh, that would have been really weird. I know! Now, he was interested, but ultimately, they decided to go with Darren McGavin because, first of all, the director really liked him, Uh but also, Jack Nicholson asked for a lot of money. Oh, they didn't have it. They didn't have that. Yeah. Peter Billingsley, who played Ralphie, had become familiar to people through a show called called Real People. Do you remember Real People? No, not at all. And he also played Messy Marvin in this series of commercials on TV for Hershey's Chocolate Syrup. Hmm. So he he was a little well-known mm-hmm. before he got this part. Now, an interesting story about the bully. It was actually supposed to be Grover Dill, not Scott Farkas, who was the bully in the original work. Mm-hmm. But they said that when they went on set for A Christmas Story, Bob Clark was presented with the actor who was supposed to play Grover Dill and then the actor who was playing Scott, um, Farkas. Scott Farkas. Yes. And he took one look at them and made a switch. They had the quote that the director said, okay, you get his lines and he gets yours. <laughs> okay. And, and that was it. Oh, I guess wow. he just I looked at their appearance and decided he liked them better the other way. Uh-huh. Just a quick little side note is the actor Yano Anaya, who played Grover Dill, was also the evil paperboy in the 1985 John Cusack comedy Better Off Dead. Oh, so just a interesting. Side note. The writer Gene Shepard made a cameo appearance in the movie. He was the grouchy department store customer who tells Ralphie to go to the back of the Santa line. Oh, cute. Yeah, he also did the voiceover narration. I thought so. I thought that was Gene Shepard who did the voiceover. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And the director Bob Clark, who we've referenced several times now, also made a brief cameo he was the neighbor who stops and marvels at the leg lamp from across the street Mm -hmm. (laughs) so the setting of the movie was based on Hammond Indiana that was the hometown of Gene Shepard and they said that he grew up on Cleveland Street and went to Warren G Harding Elementary School just like Ralphie nice to find an American city that resembled Hammond in the 1940s the director sent location scouts to 20 cities and ultimately they picked Cleveland Ohio as the site for filming 
primarily because there was a department store that allowed them to film inside oh, the store. And nice. that was one of the deciding factors. Okay. Yeah. So that's our second episode that ties into Cleveland. We had Chicago tie-ins and now Chicago's kind of given way to Cleveland because that's where uh, mm-hmm. Elliot Ness was. Yeah. Nice. You're really good at making those connections. Yeah. For the scene. Oh, here we go. We've answered our earlier question. It was not Randy. It was Flick who had his tongue. Okay. That's what I didn't think it was Randy. Mm-hmm. And to do that, they used a hidden suction tube that created the <laughs> illusion that his tongue had frozen to the metal. Yeah. But obviously it was much safer to do it this way. Yeah. And some of the snow that they used during the scenes between the kids and the bullies when they were supposed to be fighting was actually soap flakes and firefighters foam. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And they said that the kids later talked about how much slipping and sliding they did during the filming. I bet. That would be very <laughs> slick. The leg lamp, the, the major award mm-hmm. that was won by dad, was actually based on a real lamp. It was an illuminated knee-high logo lamp. Okay. Now, knee-high is that drink that I don't think people no. I don't think it's around anymore no. but apparently back in that time period there was something called a knee-high drink knee-high sodas mm. I think I just think of it as pantyhose knee-high pantyhose oh yeah. well this is spelled n-e-h-i oh okay yeah okay so the style of the leg lamp for a Christmas story was created by a production designer named Reuben Freed and he had never seen or heard of this leg lamp so he made some some little prototypes and they they used them and of course they said that the three legs that he ended up making that were that were in the film all somehow got broken during Aww. the filming process yes the radio orphan annie decoder pin that ralphie receives is the 1940 speedomatic model okay which indicates that the movie takes place in december of 1940 oh, drink they, your ovaltine kids <laughs> yes <laughs> they actually made different decoder badges every year from 1935 to 1940 but they said by 1941 the decoders were made of paper due to world war ii metal shortages oh. so that's that's another that reason sense. why they knew that this was 1940. They actually had a second fantasy sequence involving Black Bart, but they had to cut that from the film, so we didn't get to see that. You probably know this one. I'll ask you. Uh-huh. What TV show was inspired by A Christmas Story? What TV show? Mm-hmm. Can I, I think, get a hint? I think it's an I think it's an 80s series. It's it's older. Oh, the Goldbergs? No. What? The Wonder Years. Oh, I did not know that. No. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And we're about to talk about the sequels in just a second. Uh-huh. But just as a little preview here, Daniel Stern actually played the dad in one of these little sequels, and he was the voice of the adult Kevin Arnold in The Wonder Years. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So to talk about the sequels, here's one that most people don't know about. In 1994, they did My Summer Story, and it was originally titled It Runs in the Family, and it was another collaboration by the same director, Bob Clark, and the author, Gene Shepard. Really? They said the film once again featured narration by the author, Gene Shepard, yeah. but the cast was entirely different. The only returning cast member is Ralphie's teacher, Miss Shield. Does she play Miss Shield? Yes. Okay. And the story takes place soon after the events of A Christmas Story. It still revolves around the lives of the Parker family, but in this sequel, summer is here, school is out for vacation, and Ralphie's now a fourth grader played by Kieran Culkin. Interesting. And he's ready to experience another life-changing season. What happens in the sequel is that Ralphie is preparing himself to do battle with that class bully Scott Farkas in a game of tops and they said meanwhile the old man played by Charles Grodin this time okay that's a good that's a good follow-up yeah I can Mm -hmm. see that 
He declares war on the family's hillbilly neighbors. So, and we've got other things going on with the other family members, but that's kind of the, the basic premise. Mom in that version is played by Mary Steenburgen, and little brother Randy is played by Christian Culkin. Oh, so they had real little brothers. That's cute. Well, bad news was apparently it was not a good movie, not really well received. Gene Shepard himself admitted later, quote, that one was a real turkey. Oh, that's too bad. I know. Hmm. I know. Then there was a made-for-television movie about the Parker family called Ollie Hoop Noodles Haven of Bliss. Wow, that's a title. Yep. 1988 and that chronicled the Parker's summer vacation Ralphie getting a job and the disappearance of the family dog Hmm. then many years later there was a direct DVD version called A Christmas Story 2 that's the one that Daniel Stern was in okay it was called the official sequel Okay. okay that one's the one that they actually referenced as the sequel picks up with Ralphie as a teenager he now desperately wants a 1938 Hupmobile Skyline convertible so instead of the BB gun, they've uh-huh. got him desperately wanting a this car. car. Mm-hmm. They said that A Christmas Story 2 replayed many of the same gags and plot lines, but sadly, it, didn't... it didn't have the same charm. They I wonder said, why. Yeah. It just had to be the perfect elements, I guess. Right. So that brings us up to today. A Christmas Story Christmas. Yes. It's 10 years later, 2022. We have this new sequel, which is very special because we have Peter Billingsley mm-hmm. actually returning to his role as Ralphie. Mm-hmm. In fact, this is the first time really that he's been involved with anything related to this A Christmas Story franchise since, you know, since he was in in that first one. Uh Other than he was involved in the 2012 Broadway production of A Christmas Story, the musical, which was nominated for three Tony Awards. What did he play in that? Well, he was the producer. He did not not star in it, but he was the producer. Okay, so tell me what, sorry, tell me about the Tonys. The three Tony Awards that it was nominated for were Best Musical, Best Book of a Musical, and Best Original Score. Nice. Now, in this work, this sequel, he not only stars in it, but he is also producing it with his longtime friend, Vince Vaughn. Mm. And he co-wrote the story for the movie in conjunction with this fellow named Nick Shank but that was apparently the original version Nick Shank has also gone on to co-write the screenplay with director Clay Cadis so okay. that's the version we're going to be seeing in our movie that we're about to watch okay here's the premise A Christmas Story Christmas is set 33 years after the beloved original this family film is set in 1973 and in it Peter Billingsley plays the grown-up Ralphie a father of two and a struggling writer who returns to to his childhood home on Cleveland Street in the fictional town of Homan, Indiana for the holidays after the unexpected death of his own dad, mm. known simply as the old man. Mm-hmm. Now, Peter Billingsley has been interviewed. I, I saw a People Magazine article, and he said this film has been in development for almost four years and that he was focused on playing, according to his words, both offense and defense to make sure that the filmmakers would get it right. Good. Yeah. His quote, you really want to try to create something that could stand on its own that's original he says but he also went on to talk about how he was so conscious of wanting to protect this he wanted the associations to the original and that feel of the original to be there sounds like kind of the karate kid Mm -hmm. the way they approach that yeah and he acknowledged that the original is borderline sacred those were his words to its fans Mm -hmm. yeah so he did not want to mess that up 
And he told People Magazine, the one word we used a lot was tone. Mm -hmm. The first movie had such an interesting, unique tone. It's not the perfect family. They're hostile at times. They're loving. And then there's this interesting voiceover and this reverence and some pretty adult things that Ralphie's having to go through. Mm -hmm. It feels very real. So we really wanted this to feel very much real as well. And I think that idea of going home felt like there was a lot there to return home to. So there's his quotes. Okay. Kind of his perspective on this sequel. In addition to Peter Billingsley, they have brought back Ian Petrella, who plays Ralphie's younger brother, Randy Parker. That is so cute. And we have Scott Schwartz returning to his role as Flick, and Zach Ward is back to play Scott Farkas. Scott Farkas. Yeah. But they've also brought on a few new people. We have Aaron Hayes playing Ralphie's wife, Sandy. River Drosh as his son, Mark. Juliana Lane as his headstrong daughter, Julie. And Julie Haggerty is playing Ralphie's mother, Mrs. Parker. She had to take over because Melinda Dillon, who played the original Mm -hmm. mom, retired from acting in 2007. Oh, too bad. So one last quote. Peter said that he hoped Darren McGavin, who died in 2006 at age 83, would approve of this sequel. Mm -hmm. And he went on to say that he thinks he would Mm. here's his exact words it very much is in many ways a love letter to the old man character and to darren himself darren was the best he was such a gifted actor and a great person and such a mentor to me in the shooting of the first film and was kind of like having another dad oh i love that quote i do too so that's it ashley this leads us into actually watching this sequel ourselves so we can we can react to it and, and see what we think let's take a break and we'll see you guys in a couple hours. Hey everybody. I wanted to let you all know about a new perk we're going to be adding. Since season two launched, you may have heard our occasional shout outs at the top of the episodes. In the new year, we're going to offer that perk to any of our Buy Me A Coffee supporters that are interested. So if you'd like to take advantage of this opportunity and hear your voice on our podcast, visit www.buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. You don't have to sign up for anything. We won't spam your email. And there are options for a one-time donation or a monthly gift. Either way, you get the double bonus of making your Scandal Water debut and you're helping us keep the stories brewing. Cheers! And we are back. We are back. Fresh from having watched the movie. Yes, it could not be any more fresh. (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. Okay, well, let's not talk about the ending, which is what we just saw. So what do we want to do? Do we want to... Let's let's do this. Let's do an overall impression. Okay. And then for people who want to see it and don't want spoilers, let's do our impression without a spoiler. But then let's go in after that and talk about some specific moments that we we liked because I feel like if we just did a spoiler free it's only going to be about two minutes because there's a lot of easter eggs to the first one in this mm-hmm. okay so let me ask you what is your fresh out of the oven impression of this film I enjoyed it yes I think that anyone who is a fan of a Christmas story yes. should watch it yes is it a five-star movie no mm-hmm. but is it is it a love letter to the first movie is it a, a gift mm-hmm. for the fans mm-hmm. Mm. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. I I agree with you. Honestly, the first one wasn't a five-star movie. It's just the nostalgia and the beauty of the time and looking back at something that is no longer there. It's a a reflection movie. And I I will say, I was, I teared up more than once. Mm -hmm. I'm not a super fan of the first one. I'm not, I Mm -hmm. I mean, I enjoy it, but it's not, oh, I've got to see this film every year. Right, right. I was on the verge of tears multiple Mm -hmm. times. I was too. I think the difference for me is 
is their approaches were different, right? Mm-hmm. When you had the original, it was new and novel. Mm-hmm. It was different. And mm-hmm. that made it seem like a stronger piece because it was a little different in its approach. The fact that it had those farcical elements, mm-hmm. the way that you had the dysfunctional family, but you still loved them and you still saw their love, right. the voiceover narration. So many aspects of it were different yeah. for a Christmas movie right. when it first came out. This one doesn't have that same freshness because to me, so many of the elements of this movie were purposefully tailored after the original yes. because it was meant to honor it. It was meant to to piggyback on that and to make us remember. And yeah, yeah. so so I think that to me makes the first one stronger okay. in originality. Mm-hmm. But I agree with you, similar in yeah. terms of yeah content and- so it's a recommend from us yes i would say the great christmas tradition maybe would be to watch them back to back so that you can really feel the nostalgia because again spoiler free but to me it's almost like it self-serves itself because you see the first one and the ending of the second one serves the first one as well mm-hmm. because yes. it's like it's on a wheel ending of our spoiler free do you think yeah if you don't want to hear specific details from the sequel maybe you would pause here Mm -hmm. come back to us later after you've watched it yes we hope you do watch it and enjoy it so now we're going to talk about specific moments that we really enjoyed or thoughts that we had about the film will you start what's something that struck you well the first thing that struck me is and we went back to check it doesn't have when i said it was the old logo it looked like a vhs Mm -hmm. when it first comes on it had like the lines in it Mm -hmm. and to me it looked like an old-fashioned logo and turns out they did use the same font for the title right and i really it immediately got me in into the mood for what i was about to see i agree reminded me of how top gun the recent sequel was so intentional about hearkening back to the original Mm -hmm. when this one opened and immediately you saw the same logo or it looked to be and then you had the song playing in the background and then you had the opening scenes it just took you straight back to that first movie and something else i told you while we were watching it they handled the nostalgia the same way we feel like the karate kid has handled nostalgia for their reboot because not only is it it's not throwing it all in your face Mm -hmm. there's little hints of oh remember this and it's not always pointed out you have to know that film in order to catch them all to catch the easter Mm -hmm. eggs yes yes and one thing i thought was funny i mean it's not a bad thing is just the thing with his dark hair I said adult Ralphie looks like he could be the brother of Jeff Bridges and Bo Bridges yes, he absolutely he does yeah but it was so fun seeing him it grown was. up and I could say the same for a lot of the other yes. actors who had returned to their roles just to see them now grown men in their mm-hmm. 50s I think I Are think they? I think Peter Billingsley might be like 51 years old he's older than me yes wow yeah wow 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 but that that was fun in and of itself and those blue eyes man he still has those <laughs> beautiful eyes and the glasses are the glasses looked almost like the same brand of glasses Mm -hmm. that he was wearing I don't know yeah well one thought for me and I I know this probably is obvious but I'll state it anyway setting plays such an important Mm -hmm. role in Mm -hmm. both and that makes sense right because both of them are supposed to be recollections from this time in the past but the 1940s late 30s early 40s seem to be such a significant part of the original movie and this one made such a point of bringing out things from the 1970s everything from your avocado and yellow kitchen to songs that were playing to just pop culture references the 
cars they were driving, just mm-hmm. so many things were were dependent upon that era or, or the you, clothing was great to kind of the make some jokes were, or whatever. Yeah. yeah, the costumes are great. And his the woman playing his wife, her clothes, she looked amazing and I loved she her did. clothes. <laughs> she looked great. And his clothes look good too. I liked his. Mm-hmm. One thing that we get as far as our plot goes, did you tell a plot earlier in our, before we broke, before yes. we watched it? Okay. So one thing we had is the time lock. Anytime you have something. So what Ralphie's done is he said he's taken a year off of regular work and he has to get published by the end of the year or he's going to rejoin the rat race, as mm-hmm. he says. And that gives us a time lock. Oh, he's got it by the end of the year. And he has sent his work to 16 publishers and 14 have said no. Mm-hmm. And within our movie, the other two also say no to his right. to his grand novel that he has written, which to me, and I don't know, I'm just saying these things as I get to it. And we've already said this is full of spoilers. To me, it resembled Little Women in that Joe tried to become a great writer by writing this epic. His was about Neptune and all of these epic things. And nobody was interested in that because right. it wasn't relatable. And it wasn't until he started talking about things that he actually knew mm-hmm. that his hopefully presumed success came. Mm-hmm. We're jumping around a little bit. I don't know if that's okay, but my point doesn't necessarily go directly towards plot, but it, it's a little bit, I'm, I think, thematic. Okay. But it was interesting to me that in the first movie, we dealt so much with the children. Yeah. Because, yeah. because of course, your star was Ralphie. Right. And, and it was all around the children. And dad was a very important character, but it was about the children. Mm-hmm. And now, because of circumstances, we now have Ralphie as the dad. So this movie is very much about the adults. Correct. But you see Ralphie placed in the role of fatherhood. Yeah. And so much of it plays on nostalgia and remembering his old man, but also now he's tasked with, as you said, he has the pressure of will he make good as a writer? Mm-hmm. And he's also suffered this loss. Are yeah. we going to go ahead and say Sure. What it yeah, is? we yeah, said it was spoilers. I actually, I think I gave it in the in the overview of the movie plot it's anyway. Funny. We right. already can't remember. Yes. <laughs> it, was, it was two hours ago for us. It's out of our heads. <laughs> but he's lost his dad. Yeah. And his mother tells him, I don't want this Christmas season mm-hmm. to be something that's sad for us every mm-hmm. year. So she has put Ralphie in charge of he has to make this a good memory for everyone. Which is a lot of pressure. It is. And then he also has to write his father's obituary. So yes. we have all these pressures on him and it forces him to think about his dad in a different way and mm-hmm. what it means to be a parent, mm-hmm. which I thought was super interesting. Yeah, I thought the handling, the way they handled his passing was really beautifully done because mm-hmm. what he, what we do is we, I mean, the script was written. I thought the script was actually structured really well because we established Ralphie's world pre-inciting incident. And so here's what the family's like. Here's what all the relationship with him and his wife, relationship with him and his kids. Here's what our expectation mm-hmm. is for Christmas. And then he gets the phone call. Mm-hmm. And this is our inciting incident of how everything's getting ready to change. And the way he just walked into the hallway and it just silhouetted mm-hmm. him in the hallway and the music. And then you heard his voice, his dad's voice. And especially when they ended up going back to the house, right. he was looking around his home and imagining, and they had flashbacks to the film. I don't think there was any visual flashbacks, but the audio was, you heard the dad saying these specific lines as you were looking at the pieces mm-hmm. of furniture that we would have associated with that moment. Right. You know, they, you just brought out how they use some camera angles mm-hmm. and some shots to try to generate some of that emotion. But I am going to give a big shout out to Peter Billingsley because yeah. most of those emotional scenes 
relied on him yes. and he did such a great he did. job. I even have that here. I have specifically, I could feel the emotion and his voice was choked with emotion. And based on what you said before, before where I was wondering, I wonder if he was thinking of Darren mm-hmm. when he was doing these scenes and how much he admired him. And he, you, uh, my empathy response, just like instant tears came right. up when he had that phone call. Right. When he said that one of the goals in making this movie was that it would be a love letter to the old man and also the fictional old man plus the actor Darren McGavin and when he said that I felt as I was watching this you succeeded yes I, I feel like that came across yeah. very well my next note was you're they're hitting me hard with the sentimentality looking around dad's home with the flashbacks oh mm-hmm. it was that was a lot yeah I will say this it was predictable which mm-hmm. sounds a little negative but I think my phrase would be predictable but satisfying yeah I think it was satisfying predictability yes. because honestly if you were to put this movie up against the other movie you could almost go through and start checking off yeah oh, okay well there's a fantasy sequence yeah. okay here's where we have a scene with bullies here yeah. you know I mean one thing after another but you wanted it to happen like it you was... did you were you were waiting for the okay when are we going to see that when's yeah. the callback to this <laughs> yes Yes. So you saw the pink rabbit yes. suit. They found a way to put the title of Gene Shepard's work. Yes, in the bar. In the bar, up on the wall. There were just so many things that you you connected to, and, and it just put a smile on your face when you saw it. Mm-hmm. I love the moment with he's on the phone with his brother. He's trying to guilt him into coming yes. home. Because in the, in the film, Randy is really successful, and he's in another country. And, oh, sorry about dad. How's mom doing? And and he says there's an unwritten rule where siblings have to just hit below the belt when it's necessary. <laughs> and so he's like, oh, she's okay. You know, she ate half a cracker and she said one word today. And we all knew what the word was going to be. And it was Randy. <laughs> he's like, oh, no. And then when he hangs up with his brother, he looks at the camera and he does that Ralphie giggle. Oh, yes. And did. it was like, oh, that's funny. <laughs> that is funny. It was great. And you know what, Ashley, you, you commented out loud as we were watching it, the time and trouble. Yeah. They went they went to to recreate some of those scenes exactly the way it was in the mm-hmm. original movie. Mm-hmm. The one, I think the place where you actually commented out loud was the Santa scene yeah. where the children are supposed to tell Santa what they want. Yes. Such a recreation. It was. And I didn't even realize it, but when they when they first go up to the window, there's, I don't know if it's the daughter or somebody is smushing their face up against the window. And I was like, look at her face or whoever the person was smushed up. We rewatched just the opening to check a couple things. And there was a kid with their face smushed mushed up against the window almost exactly in the mm-hmm. same positioning. That is a deep, deep dive to yeah, an Easter egg. Absolutely. Oh, and I thought the scene with the Santa was really good with the little girl. I did too. Mm. I did too. It was, again, fun knowing that Peter Billingsley was not only producing and acting in it, but that he helped to write it. And who else could have? When right. watching it, re-watching it, it had to be Peter Billingsley that mm-hmm. wrote this because he was there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was a first-hand account. So I think that's good. Yeah, I really really love that. Well, I know I'm jumping about a bit, but I'm going back to theme and something towards the end of the story that that his mom said got me when she looked at Ralphie and she said, you can't expect things to be perfect. You can't expect words to be perfect. Mm -hmm. You can't expect life to be perfect or to be perfect as a father, but it's about love. You know, basically to paraphrase, she said, it's about living your life and it's about thinking about who who you love. And I wrote down, just write about the man you love. 
love. Mm-hmm. That yeah. got me. That really, really got me. And another quote that I, I like to go on what you're going, it says, he said, dad made it look so easy. Mm-hmm. I wrote that down too. Yeah. And she says, his wife says, that's what good parents do. It doesn't mean it was easy. Well, and I think that that speaks to both movies were set up with this idea of Ralphie desperately pursuing something he wanted. Yeah. Yes. And in the first one, it was very simplistic. He was a child. It yeah. was a toy. It right. was this, you know, And they BB showed the gun. toy in mm-hmm. the attic. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. In the second one, it was adult needs and mm-hmm. wants. These mm-hmm. were these were things that were so much bigger. Mm-hmm. But in both cases, he Ralphie was Ralphie, right? He idealized. Yes. He would look for the perfect. Yeah. And so her saying that and verbalizing basically said to him, you've already got these things, mm-hmm. you know, look around you and appreciate it mm-hmm. because it's there. Yeah. You know, and I thought that was powerful. It is. And I identified a lot with Ralphie, particularly in this, because as a person who writes stuff and not everything, I well, most everything I write right now isn't commercially successful. So I have struggled with that whole is it successful if it's not commercially successful Mm -hmm. and it still is because you created it Mm -hmm. you know you went through with it and you wrote it and you did it so that's the success is following through and not not doing the dream you know Mm -hmm. I don't know I just felt I felt a connection to him with some of the things he was talking about with writing I can't I didn't write the quotes down but I really felt felt his struggle yeah and of course I think that was another intentional choice they were basically putting Ralphie in the shoes of Gene Shepard the man who wrote these works right. that, that led to a Christmas story in the first place. Right, so right. I loved how that came full circle. Do you want to talk about that? It, since we're bouncing around everywhere anyway, do you want to talk about the Gene Shepard connection to the ending or do you want to wait? Um, why don't you go ahead, Why don't you explain it? Okay, so we know that one of the things that Ralphie has to do is he, Ralphie has to write his father's obituary. His mother has asked him because she said, well, you're the writer. And he is writing a script. He's writing a sequel to his terrible novel that he already <laughs> had done that was, what, two 2,000 pages. And so he says, well, I've written, I finished the sequel. If that would help sell the original. And he's like, no, I'm still not interested. Mm-hmm. So again, as a writer, he's procrastinating what he's supposed to really be doing, which is right. writing the obituary. And he just, it that's too overwhelming right now. So he works on this terrible novel. Mm-hmm. When it finally gets to the point where she says to him, just write about the man you love. He goes up there and he says the words just pour out of him. And, and Candy and I kind of predicted it. Mm-hmm. So this is that other comfortable predictability. And I think you vocalized it and said, I bet he's going to write the story that becomes Mm -hmm. the first film. And so at the end of the film, and this is again huge spoiler, if you don't want to know how the film ends, then just pause this and come back. At the end of the film his wife has found the story that he wrote about his dad because his actual obituary was only his birth date, death date, and and his name, something like that. But he wrote the story about his dad and he left it up there next to his super cool writer's nook in the yes, attic. It was. Hello, yeah. another Joe reference to <laughs> Little Women. But she apparently found it and sent it to the newspaper because they called wanting the obituary and it didn't exist, but the mm-hmm. story did. And they put it on the front page and everybody reads it and loves it. And they say to the mother, what did you think of it? And she says, oh, I haven't read it yet. I wanted him to read it. And I was like, oh my gosh, this yeah. is going to get us. But he starts reading the story and it takes lines from the opening of mm-hmm. the original film and they morph it into the film from the original. So it's just like this beautiful full circle moment. Yeah, I have to say they nailed that, the whole yeah. ending. I oh, mean, yeah. That part in particular, but yeah. even leading up oh. into that, once you get to like the last, I don't know, 10 to 15 minutes of this film, yeah. it's just one... I don't want to spoil that. Yes. Let's leave okay. that. Well, I wasn't going to tell him, but 
just yeah. the fact that it's it's very very no no satisfying. no I, yes what what I'm gonna say is Christmas morning there is a moment that I think you and I both even gasped mm-hmm. and just it was a gasp and it was instant I had the my eyes filled mm-hmm. instantly so we'll leave that little gift for you all if you decide to watch it and let us know if it moved you like it moved us but Christmas morning that was yeah. it from Christmas morning through the end of it that was nearly a perfect ending yeah to that did film a really good job well we don't want to give you guys like we said we don't want to do a ton of spoilers so we're just gonna say that they brought back Scott Farkas and I was very satisfied with where his yes. character ended up and his buddies uh what were their names again flick and schwartz, schwartz. Mm-hmm. they are in it and it was really again very cute it was cute that's a and good the, word and the double dog dare scene mm-hmm. which or triple dog double triple dog, dog triple dog of course he had to do that and that was pretty good too although i'm a little worried about his alcoholism <laughs> a little <laughs> flick anyway um so let's move it was actually schwartz schwartz had, yes. the, had the drinking problem <laughs> let's move into what did you think of his wife how did you how did you feel about her as far as the partner for Ralphie. I think in terms of personality, mm-hmm. she was wonderful. I thought so too. Yeah. I liked that he's still the dreamer. Mm-hmm. He's still that person who has high hopes and we already talked about he wants things a little too perfect. Mm-hmm. Sometimes he overshoots and she would just bring him bring back. Him back. Yep. And she took everything with a grain of salt. She she was very supportive. Yeah. Very supportive. I really enjoyed their personalities and how they interacted. The chemistry chemistry wasn't quite as strong mm-hmm. like in terms of just seeing they seemed like buddies they did kind of seem a little like buddies I liked them together yeah I did too I yeah. really did I actually also liked her chemistry with his mother mm-hmm. I enjoyed that they didn't go down the trope of they didn't like each other right you know they got along fine they still had some moments where they disagreed but it was like funny disagreements yes. I liked their relationship together I did too it seemed like they all blended well as a family and the little kids what do you think of his children well I'm going to come back to that in a second okay. can I follow up on what you just said yeah. I liked the actress who played the mother in general. Mm -hmm. I was afraid that I would be a little disappointed because, Mm -hmm. as we mentioned earlier, the original actress had retired. And Mm -hmm. so we had a new actress take over that role. Mm -hmm. I think Julie Haggerty was her name. I thought she was solid. I thought she captured the The essence, essence. but I believed her. I didn't feel like she was pretending to be this other character. She just was the mother. And she could handle the scenes that were a little more serious Mm -hmm. and a little more touchy but then she could also be a little silly or I mean the caroler scene (laughs) I liked how quirky they all were they all had very his wife with ice skating and her Mm. with carolers they all had their thing that was just their little quirk I liked it true about the kids I think they were not as fleshed out Mm -mm. I was a little disappointed but I but then again this movie was about the adults the kids were just kind of there to fill it out and to Mm -hmm. really showcase them as a dad Mm -hmm. so not as solid not as Mm -hmm. much to do the little girl was super cute Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts I'm sort of the same it was I feel like they were just supporting characters and I was grateful that they were not precocious like right. the little imps or that they weren't trying too hard. They seemed very normal mm-hmm. to me and just regular kids of that era. They weren't necessarily, they didn't misbehave. They didn't really get in trouble. Right. They were just really good kids that mm-hmm. had 
positives and negatives about them. So I was fine with them because I realized this story is about Ralphie and mm-hmm. we're going to be following Ralphie right. most of the time. Absolutely. So the only thing that I would come at it and say this was a little odd as far as continuity goes. Through the course of the film, his daughter ends up wearing an eye patch for a few days. They say it's not going to be for a long time. Mm-hmm. So she has her eye patch on in one scene and then it seems like she has grown out of needing it. So she's right. not using the eye patch anymore. And and there is a scene where her and her brother are talking about how to deal with some neighborhood bullies and they get an idea and they're looking out a window and she's not wearing her eye patch. They immediately cut to her and her brother having done something to deal with the bullies and she's wearing her eye patch. Right. And then later it's back off again. Yes. So to me it was like, did you guys just shoot that and you it was not supposed to be in the con like what happened there? You right. did so good with absolutely everything else for this one random but I guess it just it happens. It happens on every film. And the interesting thing is, how many viewers would never have picked up on that? You don't think? I, there are, I mean, think about, you can look on the internet and find That's true. lists of all the errors in movies. That's true. So... You know, you might just have an eye for maybe, it because maybe. of filmmaking and also because you and I were analyzing a that's movie. True. To be, <laughs> that's we're, true. We're literally taking notes. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So, yeah, that was interesting. Armchair psychologist. All right, Ashley. Yes, for ma'am. our armchair. Yes. We've talked quite a bit about our reactions. Mm -hmm. So what's your overall impression? Hit or a miss? I'm going to say it's a hit. Mm. I liked it. I really liked it. In some cases, I thought it was stronger than the original. Mm. And I would would rewatch this one. But I would especially watch it in conjunction with the first one. We're experiencing, we've talked about this in episodes before, we're experiencing this boon of nostalgia Mm -hmm. where everyone is just going back to the way things were. And some of them have been hits and some have been misses. I think Karate Kid was a hit. I mm-hmm. think this one is definitely another hit as yeah. far as they've done it the right way because it's not hitting you over the head with it. It's just enough, but they also have a different story. He had a, It wasn't a repeat of the first story, which mm-hmm. some things try to do when they're a sequel. It really was a sequel. It was the second natural continuation of his life. Yes. I also wholeheartedly recommend it. Mm-hmm. I think that it just... It's a, you said it already. It's such a good companion. Yeah. It's so satisfying. I just love the full circle continuity yeah, of it. Yeah, I do it. too. And I do too. I was even sitting here thinking, I wonder if they did a third one, should it be when Ralphie's a grandfather? You know, you'd have to wait mm-hmm. 20 more years or 15, 20 more years. Would that add to the story or is this the completion of the story? What do you think of that? I think this absolutely could be the end. Mm-hmm. Leave it alone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> On the flip side, I do agree. If you're going to try to do it again, it needs to More time. be its own story. It mm-hmm. needs to be a different stage of life. It needs mm-hmm. to be something very different, not just a rehash. Yeah. So yes, if there's some great story 20 years down the road, fine. But yeah. for I, my gut is let it rest. This is it. Yeah. And okay. you and you agree? Or? I do. I agree. I think if it's, if it's to be told, but then the chances of, unfortunately, everybody being around at that point, you never know. But mm-hmm. I think if you let it lie right now, it's perfect. Mm-hmm. It's a perfect sequel. Yeah. Well, then I think that's pretty obvious who we need to cheers. Peter Billingsley. Peter Billingsley. Good and, job, buddy. Yeah. And and those other writers and producers, yes. because Vince Vaughn, his, yes. his co-writer, you know. All of those guys. But I mean, we wouldn't be here without Peter Billingsley. Absolutely. And his excellent portrayal as a child actor. Mm-hmm. And hey, he made it through. He's an adult. He's an accomplished adult. And he brought us the perfect sequel and truly accomplished his goal of being a love letter to that film and to Darren. So cheers to you, Peter Billingsley. Cheers. 
If you love what we do, please rate and review our show. Or you can become a supporter by making a donation through buymeacoffee.com slash scandalwaterpod. Whether a single gift or a recurring monthly donation, it would go a long way towards supporting our work and allowing us to keep the tea brewing. At our website, www.scandalwaterpodcast.com, you can submit questions or your own story ideas, access our sources and show notes, see the merch we offer for sale, and more. You can join the Scandalwater community through our Scandalwater Podcast Facebook page or follow us on Instagram or TikTok at Scandalwater Podcast. This episode was executive produced by Candy Thomas, that's me, and Ashley Raymer Brown, that's me. It was researched and written by Candy Thomas and edited by Ashley Raymer Brown. A special thank you to Josh Martin, who wrote, composed, and performed the Scandalwater theme and other music. Matt C. Adams, who created the artwork, and Joshua Reith, who designed our website and provides ongoing technical support. As a reminder, this podcast is purely for entertainment purposes. The thoughts and opinions of the host during each episode of Scandalwater are their own and do not reflect the opinions of any future guests, advertisers, or clearly professional psychologists. Thanks for listening.